Before we get started, we wanted to tell you about the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Oney. It's a three-day-a-week podcast bringing you guests like Mike Trout, top managers like Dave Roberts, to the insights of GMs like Brian Cashman, along with regulars such as Tim Kirchin, Jeff Passan, Sarah Lang, and Carl Ravitch. That's the Baseball Tonight podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my man, Ryan Clark. RC, you're back, bro. You're back. It looked like you're back in Louisiana in the familiar confines of your palatial estate. But I mean, if anybody would have thought that someone was royalty in London, it was you. Bro, how you going to dress like the prince all week in London? I ain't never seen nobody... Act like they're from a, a, a royal family, more like you, bro. The the long coat, the the pointy shoes. You look phenomenal. Hey, this is the first thing you already know. Yank had me at all these bougie events, man. We have a tea at Tiffany's. I'm at Burberry. She's drinking champagne, and so it was just one of those weeks where you had to be just a little bougie. But here's bro. what happened. I'm walking through the park. And I'm thinking to myself, what type of people have time in the middle of the day to just be at the park? And as I'm walking through, you know, I was like, is that D.C.? And (laughs) Yonk's first thing was like, I think that's D.C. on that bench. And so we look and you are sitting on the bench in the park watching wrestling. (laughs) Buckingham Palace is right behind you. You could be taking in the sights. You could be enjoying everything in London, and that's what you're doing. But we did get a great picture that I was able to post on your birthday yesterday. But a little surprise for you. Air let me know we have another image of you that we just want to put up for your birthday. (laughs) Look at me. Hey, bro, let me tell you something. At least I look very... Very distinguished with the full gray beard. I think I'm going to do that. That's probably what I will do, man. Thank thank you so much, dog. 44 years old, RC. Like, time flies so fast, man. 44 years old. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't feel a day older than 15. I'm young. (laughs) Hey, I was was on my feet in London. I was so spry. They tried to get your boy out there. But I ain't let him. (laughs) Guys, I was quick. They tried to get my boy like what, DC? Bro, they try to get what? your boy. Let me, let me tell you How? something. I had to look left. I had to look right. I was like James Bond out there in London, England. I DC. was shifty. I was wrong. You saw it. You know you saw DC. it, RC. You weren't what? James. You weren't James Bond. Hell, you weren't even Adrice Elba. You were just <laughs> DC in Dude. Lulu pants and a hoodie. <laughs> Walking around, taking pictures with people. Everybody <laughs> loves DC. Anytime somebody talks to me, where's DC? Where's DC? I'm like, yo, he yo, is yo. working. But DC, <laughs> tell the people what we have on tap today, man. Hey, bro, so many people thought you were Idris Elba last week. It was crazy. <laughs> Everybody thought this bar right here was Idris Elba in London, man, taking photos. That's what happened when you dress like that. Guys, coming up on the show, we will recap UFC 286. We look forward to Sanhagen versus Vera. And as always, we tap in or we tap out. Now, RC, it was good to see you in London. Bro, it was a fantastic week. You guys did all that stuff, the bougie stuff. Y'all had so many bags. Yanka is a very, very lucky woman. But <laughs> we went for the fights, right? We ultimately went to see UFC 286. You saw Kamaru Usman challenge Leon Edwards. 
for the championship of the world again. The environment in there, RC, was nuts. You sat right yeah. behind me, right? You yeah. sat in the chairs right next to the octagon, so you got to take it in in a way that not many people get to see it. But great environment, so many celebrities. The place was rocking. What did you make of not only the fight, but just the experience of being in a place where the UFC doesn't go very often, so everybody's just excited? Yeah, I think that was the one thing I took from it is the appreciation the fans in London had for the UFC, understanding that they're not going to get these main events like somewhere uh, like a Vegas or somewhere in the States. And you could tell that they were there 12 o'clock at the UFC experiences, taking pictures with the belts, walking around the O2. I thought that was amazing. But also, you could feel the difference when Leon Edwards walked out and anybody else the entire mm. night. You could feel mm. that he was their champion. And DC, all of the fights I've gone to, which has probably been four or five in the last two years since we've been doing this show, I usually sit behind the set. I was able to get two seats behind you guys as you called the fights. It was different. I had my yeah. arm, I had my arm around Yank, and she goes, and I'm not a person that sweats a lot. She was like, bro, what is wrong with you? She's like, I can feel the heat <laughs> coming from your underarm. Dog, just watching <laughs> the fighters walk to the octagon, the type of intensity that these men have in their eyes before they compete. And then the high level of not only gamesmanship, but toughness that they displayed throughout their entire week was amazing. And then at the end of the fight, when Leon Edwards is announced to have won the decision, how me, Yank, and Cassandra got drenched by folks throwing alcohol from yeah, outside crazy. of the stands, man. It was It was one of those nights, DC, where it made you appreciate not only the sport, but men like you, yourself, and other people who have gone out to entertain us by putting their lives at risk, by putting their health at risk inside that octagon each and every day, which is what Kamaru Usman alluded to after the fight. Mm -hmm. You walked past me, DC, going into the octagon, and you said, who you think got it, RC? And I was like, kind of, it feels like Kamaru. And you said, well, they think Leon won the fight. What did you take from this fight and Leon Rocky Edwards defending his belt for the first time on his home soil? You know what I you know what I took from it, RC? Two things, right? Two things. To speak of the environment, very rarely do I, as the guy that's surrounded all the time, go, wow, this is different. Because RC, picture this. When Usman every time walks to the center and he does this and he kind of does that. And Leon, that was the whole time, was kind of pointing at him like, headshot, bang, right? Like, that yeah. was sick, bro. That was one yeah. of the sickest moments in UFC title fight history because you could see the intensity of the dudes in that moment. Kamaru also told me, he goes, they will cheer for Birmingham, England, not Leon Edwards because Leon's not that popular. He was wrong. Leon yeah. Edwards was Agreed. the king on that Agreed. night, bro. He was the king of England. It was amazing. But when I walked to the octagon... Me and me and John, or I was saying they think Leon won because I could hear the crowd, right? Right? You could feel the energy of the people. Like our guy got it done, and I thought Leon won the fight. I thought he won more rounds in the fight, and I stated that right after the fight. But what I didn't think was that he would have won the decision as 
outright as he did because I thought there were some very close rounds in there. But I thought he was going home with the belt because I thought that defense grab was ultimately going to cost him. Do I have a problem with Leon Edwards winning this fight? Absolutely not. Leon Edwards is a fantastic person. You can't be happier for anyone more than Leon Edwards. I like him since I've known him since he was 23 years old. He fought a beautiful fight, RC. The, the, the adjustments that he made from that first fight to the second fight, second fight to the third fight, warrants him being the number four pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world right now. Because if you can't take Leon Rocky Edwards down, outstriking him over 25 minutes yes, is going to be insanely difficult. difficult. Yeah, yeah, you've and, and got to take him down, RC. And if you can't, you find yourself in a situation like we saw Kamaru in where he kept trying for takedowns, not successfully, and then not really understanding how to set the traps to get your hands DC, on him. He's just such a good striker. DC, here is what I left London thinking, that split seconds in sports, especially in fighting, change careers. Let's think yep. about the last two weeks as a whole. As a whole, Four or five fights ago, I, can't, I think four fights ago, Piotr Jan knees Aljermaine Sterling in yep. the face while he's down. He was dominating that fight and actually, it seems, was ready to take it over in a fashion that puts all either Aljermaine Sterling is out or he wins decisively. There's that knee, then he loses to Aljermaine Sterling the next time, gets a bad decision, many think, against Sean O'Malley, but uh, that was a close fight as well. And now he's dominated by Marab and his career is in flux. You think of eight rounds between Kamaru Usman and Rocky Edwards, he probably wins one or two of those rounds in the first two fights. He gets the head kick at the end to pull mm -hmm. victory from the jaws of defeat. And then he dominates in the third fight. If he doesn't get that head kick, DC, if he doesn't find a way to put Kamaru Usman out in the second fight, we aren't at the trilogy. We yep. aren't seeing Leon Edwards evolve to be a better all-around fighter than Kamaru Usman. We're speaking of Kamaru Usman defending the belt again against somebody else. But instead, we get the trilogy. Leon wins the trilogy. Now we're talking about whether it's Jorge or it's Kobe. Dana's saying what he's saying. And so now we're seeing that in this sport, in MMA, in the UFC, you can't slip. You can't no. have that second off because having that second changes lives. And what Leon Edwards did was take that moment, build mm. from that moment to become a better fighter. And now he is the undisputed welterweight no champion of the world. And we can't even debate that. Looking no. at what he's done and now that next step. Dana has said, I believe, that Kobe will be the next guy. But we listen to Leon talk about, no, I get to make that decision. What do you feel would be the next opponent or the best opponent for Leon Edwards? You know, you know, the thing is, RC, Teddy Atlas put up a really good tweet to start the main event. He said, old-time trainers said that champions become 30% better once they win the belt. And we said right before the fight started, I guess we're going to see. And if Leon Edwards wasn't 30% better on Saturday than he was in Utah, you're crazy. Your eyes are deceiving right. you if you right. don't think he was 30% better. It was true. And Teddy Atlas tweeted afterwards, Leon Edwards is 30% better. He got better between fight one to fight two to fight three. 
the guy looked phenomenal. But when you start to spin it forward and you start to think about what's next, it says Kobe Covington. Leon says he doesn't want that fight. I believe outside of Jorge Masvidal, that is the most lucrative fight for him. Because when you start to look at who's warranted, Bilal Muhammad's the most warranted. He, he's done the most and deserves the fight. But he's not sexy. The name's not sexy. Kobe Covington's name is sexy. It draws people in. Whether you love him or you hate him, you have an opinion of him. Gamebred. Him and Gamebred have a beef. very beef. bad history. A real beef. Because, bro, you don't, you don't do what you did to a guy like Leon Edwards and get away with it. Because right. I'm going to tell you this right now. You may not be able to see it on the surface. Leon Edwards ain't one to play with. No. Leon Edwards is a real dude. Yep. Yeah, he ain't one to play with, bro. So you don't really get to do what Masvidal did and usually just get away with it. Because look at Leon Edwards' his boys. Look at his boys, right? The security's worrying about Rocky, but they got to worry about the dude in the red hat. They got to worry about the other dude. They got to worry about all of them dudes that run with Leon Rocky Edwards. So that fight makes all the sense in the world. But Masvidal has to beat uh, Gilbert Burns, which is not a guarantee. But what if Gilbert Burns wins? Look at what he did to, to Neil Magny. Then he beats Masvidal. He, the dude has options. The most, the most deserving is Bilal Muhammad. The most lucrative as of right now is Kobe Covington. In three weeks, could change. Masvidal right. wins, bro. That's the worst case scenario for Kobe Covington is Masvidal wins. Because then he may get jumped. But if I'm guessing, RC, just like Al Jermaine said, he wasn't fighting until July, and now he's scheduled in, in, in May, I would assume it'll be Kobe Covington. DC, I feel you on that. And we know that the UFC makes the fights that people want to see, not necessarily the fighter or the fight that is deserved every single time. But there's even a guy like Islam Mahachev that says, nah, I'll throw my hand into the 170 pound championship ring where I want Leon next. October in Abu Dhabi is what Islam Makachev tweeted after the fight. And here is what's gotten crazy to me in UFC. It used to be in the UFC, you got the fight that was warranted within the weight division. Mm. Now with so many of these guys cutting so much weight to make 155 or cutting so much weight to make 170 and being able to make weights to get these super fights, it's almost as the days of us longing for GSP, Anderson Silva, are here. And now it's not necessarily always that caliber of fighter because Leon and Islam haven't accomplished that. But when you see a guy like Islam Mahachev saying, I want to get an opportunity at Leon, we know that Jorge wants to. Kobe Covington, who is probably a tough matchup for Leon stylistically, would be the fight that people would clamor for because they understand what the stakes would mean. When you look at all these people now feeling like the 170 pound championship is one they could go get, why do you think that is, DC? Is it the changing of the guard from Camaro to Leon that makes it seem uh, like it's easier to take over the championship? You know what the problem is? They they haven't been in there with him. They ain't been in there with Leon Edwards. They haven't been in there and seen the improvements in the wrestling because what they remember or what they want to remember is the guy that Camaro took down in the first time. 
But, bro, Leon Edwards doesn't lose. He doesn't lose. He lost to Kamar Usman way back in the day. Then he won all them fights and had a no contest against Bilal Muhammad. He doesn't lose. So what they're doing is having very selective memory. They're trying to remember that guy way back in 2015 from Orlando. But I got to be honest with you, that guy doesn't exist anymore. That dude can strike with anyone. He's in phenomenal shape because he went 25 minutes at an insane pace, him and Kamaru did, and he also can defend takedowns. And I think what's most impressive about his win last weekend was Usman didn't look like he slowed down at all. He was still the same guy. Kamaru Usman still the guy that had won 16 fights in a row to start his UFC career. He's still the guy that people thought was going to be thought of as better welterweight in history than George St. Pierre. He's still that guy. Leon Edwards beat that guy to retain his championship this weekend. But, you know, when you start looking at this, and I'm looking at this, Gil Melendez, who I believe is a brilliant mind, said Nate Diaz should be next. That's him being a friend, as much as you were being a friend of Dustin Poirier when you were saying Dustin should fight for the title next. Which leads me to this question, which leads me to this, honestly, I believe you have you are more valid than I gave you credit for before. But what do you make of that, Gilbert? Saying well, that Nate should be next. I, I think it's I think it's about relationships. Like you say, if you have a relationship with a certain fighter, then you're going to say, okay, this guy deserves an opportunity. And we do understand anytime the Diaz brothers are involved in any event, it now becomes must see mixed martial arts TV. But no, Nate's not even in this conversation. Nate's not even a part of the organization. And we watched that fight before. And aside from Nate Diaz landing a left in the last round and pointing at Leon Edwards and not going to finish him, he was dominated. When you look at the Bilal Muhammad's, when you look at the Kobe Covington's, the Gilbert Dorino Burns, who's going to have an opportunity to beat Jorge Masvidal, those are some of the names that should be thrown around and will be thrown around as it comes to Leon Edwards' next opponent. The one thing we can't do here is overlook how great of a performance it was, what Leon Edwards has now said to the welterweight division, and which opponents present the biggest opposition. I think the Jorge Masvidal fight is truly dominated by Leon Edwards. You so think when Leon you look would at just a wipe guy, him out? Yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think Leon wipes him out because that fight is going to be in Leon's wheelhouse, in which, to me, he is more skilled than Jorge Masvidal. For Leon Edwards to be able to be on his feet and strike the entire fight, move in and out, control the range, as we saw him do with Kamaru Usman stalking him for five rounds, I believe he's the better fighter in that atmosphere than Jorge Masvidal. Now, the Kobe Covington fight is the fight that scares you. Kobe Covington's pace, his ability to make the fight ugly, uh, the, the grappling, the takedowns, those things now put Leon almost in the same exact spot he was in with Kamaru Usman. And that's why I think if you're Leon, you say, no, this guy hasn't been active. This guy hasn't fought in two years. There are other people who deserve this opportunity because as champ, it is also part of not necessarily your responsibility, but you do get the cachet to pick your opponent as much as mm -hmm. you possibly can. And that's what Leon Edwards is trying to do. You know, when you think about Kobe Covington, and the rest of the welterweight division, Leon Edwards' win last weekend was refreshing. 
it's something new at the top because Kamar Usman had beaten all of them and was starting to make his way through them again. So a new champion is refreshing because for Kobe Covington, those championship aspirations were done, right? He had lost to Usman twice. But you see a new champ. You see a new champ that you, if you look back long enough and you squint far enough, you see a guy that can be taken down multiple times. And you also recognize that Covington has two things, bro. He has an endless gas tank. He is going to wrestle you for as long as there is time on the clock. And he is going to be in your face for as long as there's time on the clock. And if he feels like there is any part of you that he can attack to try and break you, Kobe Covington will go find that. So whether you love him or you hate him, you got to respect Kobe Covington for the way that he fights and the way that he competes. And honestly, he is a tough challenge matchup-wise for the new champ, Leon Rocky Edwards. But I don't know if I'm picking anybody to beat the guy that I saw last weekend beat Kamaru Usman in the way that he did. It was exciting. It was fun, Ryan. And I saw you. I would look back and I was like, my boy's enjoying this. But <laughs> that co-main event had you on the edge of your seat. Bro. That was, I mean, dude, that was crazy. Because as we have come to expect, Justin Gaethje now finds ways to make people fight him in the fights that he can win. But I'm telling you, from I talked to JG yesterday, and I was like, bro, at the start of the fight, I thought there was no way you would ever catch up to him. Because right next to the octagon, I think on TV, you actually don't get to observe and respect the speed of how fight Rafael Fazil. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that first round, it looked like Justin couldn't even touch him. But he continued to work, and then he brought himself into the fight. And by the third round, he's battering him with jabs. The mm -hmm. blood is flying everywhere. What did you make of Gaethje's performance, RC? But, and also, Fazeev elevating and even in defeat. Fazeev leveled up even in defeat against Gaethje. But ultimately, the night belonged to Justin Gaethje again, who has now had 11 bonuses in 11 UFC fights. I think the thing about... Rafael Fazeev is, he leveled up because he had an opportunity to show toughness. He had an opportunity to show grit, that he'd stand in front of a man who was battering him and he was okay with taking that punishment in order to deliver punishment. Now, on the other side of it was, you only get to show how tough you are when somebody's beating on you. And that's what we saw from Justin Gaethje. The thing I noticed and what I gained the most respect from Justin Gaethje was I knew he was tough. Um, I knew brother. he wasn't scared. Yo. My brother, wait, real quick, my brother. Did you see that scorecard? Did you see the scorecards, RC? They yeah. had a dude, because Justin Gaethje, that, that third round was not a 10-8, my brother. That is like a judge that probably goes, oh, my God, I messed up. Best thing I can do is make it a draw. And this dude scores a 10-8. This dude, Paul Sutherland. RC had a that's a bad scorecard. That that was not, it was a good round for Gaethje, but that was not a 10-8. He also scored the fight earlier, uh, RC. Three rounds to zero for a guy. Uh he gave in the Marvin Vittori fight. Marvin Vittori he gave fight. Vittori yeah. All three rounds. This yes. guy's a bad judge. This Paul Sutherland. In that 10-8, RC is him going, I just have to salvage a draw, right? Is that I mean, that's crazy. Judging well, is what, terrible. Well, what happened was, what happened to him was. <laughs> At the end of that fight, when he was scoring the third round, he looked at the damage that Justin mm -hmm. Gaethje had done. And in looking at that damage, he was like, holy hell, if <laughs> I score this fight where Fazeev wins, wins, I'm yes. absolutely out of my mind and I never get an opportunity to do this again. And so we watched him 
try to course correct late in that fight. But I gained so much respect for Justin Gaethje's fight acumen and skill. Because early on in that fight, when we were watching Fazeev move in and out, the quickness and the accuracy of the kicks, I was thinking to myself, okay, Justin's in trouble. We watched him slowly impose being the bigger man. We watched him use his jab. And also, we saw the difference in the power of the strikes as the fight went along and the damage that Justin Gaethje was able to do. And I think for the first time, and maybe because it was the first time I was ever that close, I watched punishment slow a man down, not mm. necessarily the cardio, not necessarily him losing the gas tank. It was that every time he got within striking range or even when he connected, Justin Gaethje was able to do the most, the more damage throughout the exchanges. And, you know, watching that fight and hearing Justin say after the fight, you know, he's going to line up for one more title run, it made me think this. For him, for as much as he likes violence, as entertainment, as entertaining as it, and as exciting as it is, it takes a toll. There were a mm -hmm. couple of times where you could watch him, whether it was a body kick or if it was for Land or him go to make a move and be a little hesitant. He just fixed his glove and I could see on his face, he was like, damn, like this really is fighting. Like, this really is a deal. And I think when you fight in the way that he has, enough to get 11 bonuses in 11 fights, at some point you start to think like a normal human. And mm. watching it up close is Justin Gaethje does deserve to give himself one more run, but he absolutely owes the fans of the UFC, mixed martial arts fans, nothing. Because watching mm -hmm. that man up close take that punishment walk through punishment and figure out ways to be the more technical striker while also doling out damage. It was truly masterful to me. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic, air conditioning, noise canceling headphones, meeting free Fridays. Well, what about selling with Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch at your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autograph apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U S and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dcrc. All lowercase, go to shopify.com 
slash DCRC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash DCRC. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Yeah, RC, and you know, like, Justin Gaethje is a guy that I talk to personally, and he says things that it just doesn't make sense. I asked him once, I said, what do you feel when you're going out there knowing that these are the types of fights? He goes, I feel nothing. He goes, I literally feel nothing. I don't feel fear. I don't fear excitement. I don't feel nothing. I, I'm just going. He just goes to fight, bro. It's the craziest thing. I've never talked to anyone and had that. There are so emotion, so many emotions that follow you to the octagon. And he also told me yesterday, he goes, he punched hard. But he goes, Rafael Fazeev doesn't kick hard. I was like, mm. What? It looked like he was the kicks were the worst thing of the entire fight. Yeah, exactly. He said the kicks didn't. He said he didn't kick hard. I was like, that is absurd. But that's him, and that's his mentality, bro. But that, and also, but that's why he wins like that and he loses like that because yeah. he fights the same exact way. He said he's got one more run in him. And RC, I led the interview with Justin Gaethje. You're my hero because the people in there are going crazy. They're like, I can't believe what I just witnessed. But he only has a certain amount of time, and that statement tells me that he recognizes it. Mm-hmm. He's, he's getting a little older, and he recognizes that he cannot continue to be in those types of fights. But when you say you got one more run, in a division where you guys have all kind of played musical chairs, you got to figure what's next. What's next for Justin Gaethje, RC? Because he's fought everyone, right? Except for the champion, Islam, and you can't give him that fight right now. He's number three. Dustin Poirier, he has fought him before. I wouldn't have a problem with them fighting again, but I believe that Dustin Poirier probably should fight Islam Makachev if Benil Dariush doesn't beat Charles Oliveira because I think you have to use or give an opportunity to elevate Makachev by fighting someone like Dustin Poirier who has that name recognition. But Gaethje Poirier, too, with the winner fighting the champion, that doesn't sound that bad to me anymore. Yeah, I think I think you I think you do Gagey Poirier too to not only give us a great fight, which we know it would be. On the other side of it, what it does is it eliminates one of them for the foreseeable future, maybe for forever. Mm-hmm. Which I think unfortunately it's time to do, right? It's time for us to move on from those two fighters as a group 
and have one get another opportunity or another champ chance at the championship. And then now we see who's the next up. If Benil Dariush is able to beat Charles Oliveira, I believe he deserves the shot right away. So in the meantime, I believe it is to give Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier that opportunity to put themselves in that number one contender spot for whoever wins the championship if we do get to see Darius Islam Mahachev. Mm -hmm. The other piece of it I think that's crazy is this is, is if you can make an argument that Dustin Poirier now deserves a chance to fight Charles Oliveira, why can't you make, I mean, not to fight Islam Mahachev, why can't you make the argument that Justin Gaethje has? You can, Justin actually. Gaethje, not a, right, you yeah, actually Justin can. Ga yeah, Justin Gaethje beat Michael Chandler the same way Dustin Poirier beat mm -hmm. Michael Chandler. He Justin did. Gaethje was submitted by Charles Oliveira the same way Dustin Poirier was submitted yeah. by Charles Oliveira. The only thing that's probably different in recent history is Dustin Poirier has the wins. Dustin Poirier has the wins over... Conor McGregor, and we've got to see Justin Gaethje just now this weekend beat Fazeev. And so I think mm. if you're the UFC, you're in the place to where a you're... Case. Yeah, you're, you're actually begging Benil Dariush to beat Charles Oliveira because that gives mm. you the opportunity to make that fight and the opportunity to make Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje too as an elimination fight for those mm -hmm. two dudes forever mm -hmm. on who can make another title run. And it puts the other guy, the winner in the batter's box to fight the champ. And whatever happens there is kind of tells the tale of that career. Islam's back in October, right? Abu Dhabi. Yep. You got to take him back to the, you got to take him back to the Middle East, right? You got to get Islam fighting in Abu Dhabi. So that's, that's set. But Gaethje doesn't have time to fight again. Poirier okay. hasn't fought since last November. So he would be on the shelf. But the reality is Poirier beat, uh, Michael Chandler, and he beat Connor last summer, but he had lost to Charles Oliveira right before. So you got two guys now that have both won two fights in a row. Gaethje's riding that momentum of, wait, did Dustin Poirier beat Connor last summer or was that the summer prior? Uh, Dustin Poirier beat Connor last summer, the summer yeah, so of 2022. Yes. Okay, so he is beating him, and then he beat Michael Chandler in. No, he beat him in 21, I think, RC. That was the summer before because Dustin hadn't fought for a while. Dustin fought Connor, then he lost to Charles see. at the end of the year, and then went all the way back to November. So Dustin's yes. only won one you're in right. a row. Yeah, you're right. right. Yep. Gaethje has won two in a row now. So Gaethje has the stronger case if Dubronx beats Benil Dariush. So you could potentially see Justin Gaethje fight for the belt next. Honestly, I just never thought of it in that way. Because if Benil loses, we just saw Islam versus Charles. Are we running that back right away, one fight removed? Right. Or no. are we going to get a fresh matchup at the top? But then it, it still lends – the lightweight division is crazy because these guys have all fought each other. Because if Charles beats Benil, then you got Dustin Poirier who's on a win streak. Charles on a win streak. Are we matching those guys back up again? It's yeah, such it's a weird deal because you can't break in. Because Fazeev was number six. Fazeev wins. Yeah. It's new blood into the top. Gaethje beats him. But, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, Makachev, Gaethje in October, that's not a... It's not a bad... It's not a bad thought. I think... And that's my point. The Gaethje-Poirier is, is probably something 
uh, uh, argument where you're cool with either one of those guys being in whatever spot. I think the one thing that was cool for me in London was hearing that they or that the UFC was about to announce another Hall of Famer. And Mm -hmm. when it was brought on, it said this person is thought by many to be the greatest fighter ever or one of the greatest fighters ever. And I knew right away that it was Anderson Silva. I was up at the top and we were I was talking to a guy and he mentioned a couple of people. I was like, it has to be Anderson Silva. And we started having this conversation after Jose Aldo was selected to be a member of the next UFC Hall of Fame class. And to see and listen to what so many fighters had to say about Anderson Silva, to watch the highlights that were just absolutely unexplainable, unimaginable until we saw Anderson Silva within the octagon. It was one of those moments, man. I I almost got emotional, and I don't even know Anderson Silva. The, the only other time I even had any feelings about the UFC Hall of Fame was when you went in, but you're my friend. Watching mm-hmm. Anderson Silva go and get inducted into the Hall of Fame or be announced to be selected to the Hall of Fame was one of those moments that brought you back to the Forrest Griffith fight. It brought you back to the Chell Sunden fight. It brought you back to the front kick of Vitor Belfort. When you were watching those highlights, DC, and when you're on the floor getting an opportunity to see a brother that's going to be joining you in the UFC Hall of Fame, what are your thoughts on the selection of Anderson Silva? You know, for me, Ryan, when I watch that and I watch Jose Aldo, I always find myself going, man, he was good. Like, you just – it just takes you back to, like, this dude was really good. And he is definitely considered one of the greatest of all time. But you already know my my thoughts on anytime there's something attached to your name, it is what it is. This is not just for John Jones. This is for Anderson Silva and anyone else that had those things attached to their name. With that being said, I will never take away from these guys – how fantastic they are. So to see Anderson finally get his place amongst the greats. The reality is, if there was ever a guy that should go into the Hall of Fame, Anderson probably should have been first. Anderson probably should have been the very first guy going into the Hall of Fame. He's that good. He was so important to the UFC and to the growth of the UFC. Because, you know, I never will forget going to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania for the first time with my friend Mike DeSabato, who owned this company called Cage Fighter. They were my very first sponsor. It was the very first time I went to the UFC. They took me to see Anderson Silva. It was the night he fought Forrest Griffin because they were a big sponsor of Forrest Griffin. Bro, I was in that arena. And I thought to myself, wow, can he honestly be that much of a level ahead of another guy that held the UFC championship. And then when I was leaving back to the airport, I ran into Roy Jones Jr. Because Roy Jones Jr. was there because remember Anderson and Roy were talking about boxing. And I was like, this guy is starting to go to a level that is not just mixed martial arts. He was phenomenal. He was the man. And for the only time in my life fighting, I looked across the octagon and I said, wow, that's Anderson Silva. I, I'd never in my life experienced anything like it. Granted, I think what happened was the fact that we fought on two days' notice. So I never got a chance to wrap my head around it that I'm fighting Anderson. 
but I go, wow, I'm fighting Anderson Silva. And then he kicked me in my stomach at the end of the fight with 30 seconds left. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm losing to Anderson Silva. It was, a, it was the craziest thing in the world, bro. I went from fighting him to, my God, this guy's going to stop me with 30 seconds left. It is going to be a highlight for the rest of my dang career that I lost to Anderson. Well, he was he's just a special talent, and rightfully so. He is going to find himself alongside the legends of the sport where he, which he so justly deserves. So congrats to the Spider-Man going to the Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone. Doom, doom, doom. Hey, only darkness every day. Hey, now, you knew, dog. The, yeah. I mean, he was, the moment you heard that, dog, you knew Anderson was coming. It was great. It was great. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it was, it was a Nike great- sponsorship. He had like a Nike sponsorship. What MMA fighter had a Nike sponsorship? Hey, only the spider and only the coolest. Um, <laughs> another thing that happened this weekend was Kobe Covington uh, ended up being the replacement fighter this week. He just oh. pops out of nowhere. He's behind the screen. He weighs in. <laughs> but he also came to the fight. And this fight was about drip. So we have a special edition of Step and Fly. And it's the first okay, versus edition of step and fly obviously i beat dc every week in the versus edition but we have kobe covington against kamaru uzman now look here you go kamaru came out double-breasted out the gate real early Mm. leon rocky edwards he wasn't tripping on that he was in the birmingham representing the t-shirt kamaru uzman was dolce gabbana the entire week though dc (laughs) what do you think about my man's drip from monday to saturday Drip day. Usman always dressed nice. I mean, look at, hey, that's so pretty nice, bro. He got that turtleneck going too. Kobe Covington, though, velvet. Is that like, what color is that? Pink, purple? Kobe Covington got his own style about him. Uh, but I got to go Kamaru Usman. Covington had white pants on too. I think the white honest. pants kind of threw me off a little bit. I don't really, I don't really like Kobe Covington like that. But yeah, even but if I, I did. Even if I did, he ain't won this one. This is not even close, bro. Like those Ryan, two things Ryan. shouldn't even be in a competition. But they Ryan, be you in a competition. cannot allow you cannot allow your disdain for him to guide your judgment of the battle. You gotta I be don't. fair. You acting like that judge that scored a 10-8 because he saw the fight at the end of the round. It was <laughs> I, I messed up. DC, this has nothing to do with my personal feelings on the fighter because when it comes to fashion, I am as unbiased as it gets unless it's you. And I'm telling you <laughs> right now that Kamaru Uzman was dripped out the whole week and that double-breasted pinstripe joint with the turtleneck was fine. And it was that's it. You know what? I'm not necessarily sure if these guys will be stepping fly this weekend, but we have a bantamweight matchup for the ages. We have Chito Vera versus Corey Sanhagen. This is probably one of those fights that these guys have to win in order to stay in championship contention as Aljermaine Sterling continues to rule the bantamweights. He's going to fight against Triple C, but we've also seen Marab now overtake Piotr Jan, Sean O'Malley, who lost to Chito Vera. These dudes are... Top-level strikers. Chito Vera is on one of those streaks that have become dynamic and explosive. But we know that Corey Sandhagen has always kind of been that next tier right under championship. How excited are you for this fight this weekend, DC? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see these guys match up. I think it's a very fun fight, but it's also a super important fight for the division because Corey Sandhagen wants to stay in the conversation. Marlon Vera wants to enter the conversation in a way that you can't deny him anymore. You know, 
so many people have not given Chito Vera the credit that he deserves for the run that he has been on because he has beaten so many great guys, but then everybody wants to point back to the Jose Aldo fight that he lost and almost hold that against him and keep him from getting the title fight that he so rightfully deserves. This guy has fought everyone. He has beaten everyone, and he doesn't wait. He's very active in his pursuit of that title fight. The scary thing is he gets better every time, mm -hmm. and I think the reason he keeps getting better is because he's so active and he keeps fighting. <coughs> so he's so comfortable inside the octagon. He's not worried. He doesn't have any octagon jitters. He doesn't have any rust. He never allows himself to get out of practice. It's almost like playing a NFL season, Ryan, where you see teams get better week to week to week, even the bad teams. If they're not tanking, they're still improving. A quarterback may play better. A running back may play better. The defense may play better. Chito Vera just keeps getting better and better and better because every four to five months, we see him back in the octagon fighting. Yeah, and also, too, if we look at Chito Vera, he's continued to raise the level of his opponent as well. And he and we've watched him dominate in, you know, in a fashion that's not only exciting, but it continues to show his improvement. But Corey Sanhagen isn't going to be an no. easy opponent for him. This is stylistically exactly what you want to see. Two amazing strikers, both of these guys long, rangies. They find ways to kind of dominate the striking by continuing to manage the space and then being explosive when you want, when they need to be the, the Chito Vera knockout of Frankie Edgar is probably only outdone by the Corey Sanhagen knockout of Frankie mm -hmm. Edgar. And so we have all of these things that go into this fight, but I think you mentioned what's most important is what this fight means. For a guy like Corey Sanhagen, who's had his opportunities at, at title shots and, and and lost them, he wants to stay in that conversation. Chito Vera is in the conversation. This mm -hmm. is the fight to solidify it and really let us know what's next for him. Is Sean O'Malley going to be next? Is Marab going to be next? If Triple C wins the championship, what's the next matchup and the next fight to be made? And so I'm excited to see how this plays out, not only from what happens inside the octagon, but who is the next opponent for whoever becomes the winner of this fight? Yeah, these guys are fighting down in San Antonio. Um, this is another place where they don't get to see the fights very often, so the crowd's going to be electric. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fun. And when you have guys like Marlon Vera and Corey Sanhagen, they always bring the fight. And the way that Corey Sanhagen looked against Song Yudong, yeah, it was one of those times where you had to fight down because you had lost in those big moments. Mm -hmm. He's only fighting down to about four right now, so it's not as far as he did before. But this is important for him and his title prospects because he needs Aljamain Sterling to lose the belt. As Walter yeah. Wade had that refresher, Aljamain Sterling losing is a massive refresher for Corey Sanhagen because we have not seen him in interactions with Henry Cejudo. Massive right. stakes are on the line from San Antonio as these two explosive bantamweights are locked inside the octagon. But RC, as we do every single week, you know what we got to do. It's time to tap in. Time to tap out. Corporate Jake's on his honeymoon. So corporate air, let's roll again. <laughs> 
All right, fellas, it's March Madness, and when number one ranked Purdue men's basketball team lost to Fairleigh Dickinson, a 16 seed, nearly everyone's bracket got busted. But in the NCAA wrestling semifinals, Purdue's Matt Ramos pulled off one of the biggest upsets in D1 wrestling history, beating Iowa three-time national champ Spencer Lee. So, D.C., tap in or tap out on the Purdue wrestling match being the bigger upset. Oh, here he goes. So, so this is, here's the problem. Here, here's the problem. I've got some inside insight into that because I follow wrestling so closely. But, guys, thank you so much for putting it on the show. Like, NCAA wrestling should be highlighted more on the show. As He's so excited year. right now. So, I, but, 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 R.C., I may surprise you. I think it's uh, Fairly Dickinson. I think it's Fairly Dickinson because for as good as Spencer Lee was three times he won the national championship, I watched him wrestle Matt Ramos three times this year, and I watched him get put on his back in the first matchup, ultimately win. Then I watched him wrestle the Big Ten Championships in a tough match, so I wasn't as surprised. Look, it surprised me that he lost, but I also have seen him get pinned by Nick Piccinini before. So I've seen the kid lose, and I've seen him get pinned, and I've seen Ramos have a style that's very difficult for him. But, man... Sad to see a guy that was chasing uh, history get beat like that. Didn't love his behavior after where he didn't wrestle back and just kind of bailed. Feels very sorry for his mother. But I got to say it's fairly Dickinson, RC. Well, first off, I think it's fairly Dickinson. Secondly, <laughs> his mom is funny as hell to me. <laughs> like, why would That's you? Bad. You know what? I don't understand. When people do stuff and only further harm themselves. Now she got to buy new glasses, bro. And and if she needs to be mad at anyone, she should be mad at herself. Because on that video, when she got her son in the arm bar, she led everybody to believe he was beatable. And then he got beat. So really, mom has to blame herself. And so I'm going to say it's fairly Dickinson beating Purdue because it's only the third time in women's or men's that the 16th seed has beat the number one seed in any bracket. Corporate error. All right, guys. NBA legend Charles Barkley used to be known for his horrible golf form. Now, Chuck is back on the green with a new and improved swing. But in London over the weekend, DC hit the links showing off his golfing skills. So, RC, tap in or tap out on Charles Barkley having a better swing than DC. I tap in because here's what I know about DC. As I've gotten closer to him, I've <laughs> learned he lies a lot. Um, and when I asked him, was he good at golf? He said, no, I'm not. <laughs> and so I take that as he's not only not good at golf, he's really, really, really bad. And so I'm going to go with Charles Barkley has a better swing Man, than D.C. They look the same. They look the Charles same. Barkley, Charles has two new hips. D.C. has a bad back. I'm going with Charles. Bro, man, our swings look almost identical. But I will tell you this much right now. Charles says he practices hours and hours a day. So if me and Charles Barkley have a swing that is even similar, please run that back air because – Put it side to side. Charles told me he swings that golf club almost eight hours a day. That's his practice time. So if I'm swinging the club as good as Charles Barkley in the limited amount of time that I've been playing golf, I'm better. So, Chuck, I'm better than you, bro. 
DC. Air. Charles. DC, Charles Barkley was drafted in the NBA like 14 years before you finished high school. And so you're comparing your swing to that. That's air. Go ahead, please. I just can't. I can't. All right. At UFC 286, we may have witnessed the real life stretch Armstrong. Mohamed Mokayev hit the splits before his fight began, then somehow survived possibly the nastiest leg lock we've ever seen. So, DC, tap in or tap out on Mokayev being the most flexible UFC fighter of all time. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. To yeah, see that's, Mohamed uh, Mokayev's knee and the way that it, it was going... <laughs> I've never seen that. You know, honestly, and I got text messages from people, and they were like, you tap to fight another day. You tap in that situation. I would have tapped. There's no way you allow yourself to maybe further the damage of what he went through. Mokayev, I saw him in the elevator. RC was on crutches. So I'm tapping out. Like, I'm tapping in, obviously. He's the most stretchy person in the UFC. But I'm tapping out on the fact that I would have tapped out to that knee bar. Yeah, listen, I, I tap in that he's the most flexible play, uh, person in the entire UFC. But what you said is so interesting. You tap out in order to not be injured. It's yep. not about winning or losing. But for him, he felt like it was about winning and losing. And he refused to lose. And so all the respect in the world to Stretch Armstrong for finishing <laughs> that fight the way he did. RC, but like this guy, this should be very scary for anyone in the weight division, knowing the lengths to which this kid will go yeah. to not let him win. All right. OGs, grab your Bengay because the Veterans World Wrestling Championships are here. And the 56 to 60-year-old age bracket is stacked with some decorated wrestling grandheads. So, RC, tap in or tap out on DC. <laughs> Becoming a veteran world champ once he turns 56 <laughs> next year. I tap oh. all the way in on that. At DC's next birthday, we are lining up to sign him up for the Granddad's Wrestling Championship. He's going to go out there. He's going to dominate. The one thing I've already noticed, DC's been preparing his body for this. If you think about DC in a onesie or a leotard, it looks much like what we just saw in those videos. So we've been working our way toward this already air. Um, what we're going to do, we're going to eat a little bit more. We're going to stretch a little bit less. And we will be ready as soon as he turns 56 next year. I'm not doing it, man. I tap out, air. That's disrespectful. I did, I did a lot in wrestling. I can't go. But let me tell you something, Ryan. You know what's funny? One of my assistant wrestling coaches' name is Bill Newton. He has won that tournament multiple times, and he loses 30 pounds every time he goes and competes. He is almost 62 years old, bro. Last year, he lost in the finals. He was destroyed. He's going back for one last run. So let's go, Billy. Let's go get another championship, baby. <laughs> hey, DC, I do not want to see you in a onesie, by the way. Just... No, no, I don't need to wear a singlet. It's called a singlet, man. You're disrespectful, Arts. It's a singlet. Onesie? Onesie and singlet sound the same. Like hey, all women wear those things now. Women wear those singlets now. I see women wearing singlets all the time. Well, well, women wearing singlets and you wearing the singlet is two different <laughs> things right now, DC. But just want to remind you guys, there is no show next week. DC and yeah. RC 
will be off. DC is very upset about that. You know, he wants to do a show every single week. But London was absolutely amazing. We enjoyed it. We got to see Leon Rocky Edwards solidify himself as the champ. We got to see Justin Gaethje put on another bonus-worthy performance. And this weekend, Chito Vera versus Corey Sanhagen, a Bantam Wakes show of fireworks. DC, tell the people where they can find us, man, because sometimes they might forget. Yeah, they can't forget. ARC London was great, bro. I got to look into your life. I got to look into Eve's life, boy. Big Kentucky. Hey, bro, John Andy calls him Big Kentucky, bro. That's the greatest nickname <laughs> I have ever heard in my entire life. But, guys, off next week, catch DC and RC every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast. YouTube. Also now, we are on ESPN2 at midnight Eastern every single week. For Ryan Clark, I'm Daniel Cormier, and we'll see you guys next time.